0: Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Mindful CEO. I'm your co-host Chris Angel with your other co-host Aaron, as we uh, so determined last time. Uh, Aaron Hendon,
1: exactly. Yes. I'll Scott let you take Earth it from Earth. there, Aaron. Very good, thank you. Um, yeah. Well, I I asked to introduce uh, Eric because he's a personal friend, someone I really do um I, I admire greatly. I was saying it's both I'm both proud of him, given our relationship, and then really honored that. Eric would take the time to be here. This is Dr. Eric Holsapel. He's, um, you know, the uh, author of Profit with Presence and uh, the 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership. And we thought it was just a natural. Cr- Eric sent me his book in preview to, to read and to comment on when he was finalizing it. And we've known each other. What do you think, Eric? 15 oh, years. 15,
2: 17 years. Yeah, I 20 wanted 20 to get 20. an endorsement from the sage, Aaron.
1: Yeah. So, thank you Um that. And uh, and it was just, uh, you know, just a real uh, a privilege to be listened to that way. And then I got a copy of the whole book. And it's, I mean, it's right up our alley. And so, and Eric is, uh, so uh, you still in real estate? I
2: am, you know, I'm not as active in it as I was mostly in investments now. I was, you know, for years I was a developer is what I was primarily was. And that's not a young old man's game. So I'm not doing as much of that as I was at one time.
1: Very good. Well, why don't you just take a minute? So Eric and I have known each other for for seventeen, apparently seventeen oh, years, yeah. uh, and uh, just a delight from Loveland, Colorado. Eric, why don't you just take a little bit and give us a little bit of background so that the listeners get a yeah. sense of who you are, where you are, and what you're up to?
2: Yeah, I would just say, you know, how did I, how did I come to think that mindfulness and business, you know, could mix? I mean, so many of think it's like oil and water, but you know, I came out with an MBA from Colorado State in the mid 80s, and I was immediately successful in real estate. A few years later, I ran the North American division of an Australian firm, uh, moved to Los Angeles, ran offices in Denver, Princeton, New Jersey and Western Canada. I reported to the UK and Australia. I was a walk boarding pass. And I had all the outward trappings of, you know, boy, this guy's successful, six-figure salary, you know, Mercedes, the apartment, title, all those things. But inside, I was dying, man. You know, I just, uh, I was single, I drank too much, I was overweight. I got a transfer to Boston, they had a New York Stock Exchange company in Boston called Bay Financial. And the good news was there was enough problems in town, I didn't have to travel. So I (laughs) I got an apartment there. My mom, from Maine originally, my mom came down and helped me off it. And I went out and bought a scale because where I was hanging out, they didn't have scales. I knew I couldn't get my tie done and my belt, you know, I couldn't, but I wasn't giving up, you know. I wasn't going, I was no, I'll get this. But uh, I stepped on that scale, I'll never forget. And I looked in the mirror and said, geez, you're heavy, man. you got to make some changes or you're not going to be around very long. Hmm. And I did. I, I made some change from there. I left that job. Uh, I lost some weight. I, I was always an athlete. I started running again, and I stumbled on yoga. I don't know how. I just I stumbled on it, and it I it was just profound to me. It was like I'd been coming. I'd become uh, disembodied from my body. It was like my Ken Robinson says, you know, your body is to carry your head around from meeting to meeting, and I'd just been like five years of a blob, you know. Yeah, and it got me back into it, and then my older brother, uh, he's a poet, my dad was a football coach. They were oil and water, they were and they were estranged, and I watched my older brother took up meditation and just came back to the family, and then he got back to my dad. My dad's in seven; He didn't change, but I just got my family back, and I watched one person change, and it changed the whole world. And he said, you want to try it? And I said, sure, I'll try that. I'd like to try that. I tried it and it was a game changer for me. It just immediately reduced my stress, you know, uh, gave me clarity, more focus, relationships better. I just, it just hit me. And I, but for years I didn't come out, you know, I was a closet meditator. I didn't, I didn't talk about it. I yoga, I, med, I mean, it was, you think it's, you know. I mean, there weren't yoga studios. There weren't, meditation wasn't the craze that it is today. It was a real minority sport. So um, I did that for years, you know, and I went back. I said, I'm looking for purpose. I went back and got a PhD. I started teaching, but I morphed back into business because I, 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 I love real estate and I, and I love to make money. I love capitalism, too, but I taught for 20 years at the university part-time. But one by one, people in my real estate business, I started my own real estate business. One by one, people just started noticing changes in me, you know, and, and uh, what are you doing, you know, and they'd have problems. I became someone you could talk to versus someone that was just, you know, I still run 150 miles an hour, but I'd slow down enough to have a conversation and say, hey, this is what I'm trying. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try this workshop? Why don't you, you know, do this? And then we started a seed group little monthly meeting there was just a couple of us we'd read a book and we call it centering not meditation not to get too weird and then you know before i knew it the room was full we brought in a mindful based stress reduction eight-week program for the whole company management team got together i facilitated i didn't lead uh i didn't uh participate but i led and they came up with mindfully creating community as the lc real estate group vision statement and that was a game changer like gave everybody permission to
0: Mm-hmm.
2: focus on nonprofits. profits put your family first you know make a difference in the community mm-hmm. and everybody did better you know it wasn't like uh, so many people I, I hear you know like the mindfulness community is money's dirty the business community right. is mindfulness is woo woo not everybody, but there's a there's a current that's there. That's
1: the zeitgeist for sure.
2: And my my experience was different than that, and it's my experience, and that's what I'm trying to share through this book is that I have found that you get more focused, more more present, and you meet people on a on a, on a more deep, uh, meaningful level, and business happens, you know. And it's a it's it's been a great ride, and I'm I'm proud, privileged to be here to share it with you today.
1: Eric, that's so great. I love that. It, it, it's such a natural flow. And it, what I don't know if this is, a, I don't know. I don't know if I have a question about this. Certainly this is a statement, but I'm wondering, uh, probably a question after I get it out. Um, it seems really weird to me that it, that mindfulness and business would be disconnected in some way that there would be some kind of pushback. I mean, I know that there is, I experience it too. And and we did a whole episode on coming out of the closet as woo woo. We were like, you know, how much of the law of attraction can we talk about before we get banished to the land of, you know, essential oils and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, like that. And certainly meditation has that flavor to it. But I guess what I'm interested in, um, as you, you know, you rolled out a meditation, mindfulness practice, stress reduction for your business. Yeah. Do you get a lot of pushback? Do you, first of all, do you run programs in organizations now? Does Living in the Gap? I do. You do? I do. So,
2: I run eight-week programs. Yeah. So talk to me about the
1: nature of those eight-week programs and the pushback you got and, or the interest in it. Has it been great? What it's Talk been, to me about those. It's
2: It's been great. We run it as kind of an introduction. We run a longer nine-month program, uh, and it's been kind of an introduction to that. But a lot of people have the eight weeks, and that's all they want or all they need. And it's, you know, the hard hard part is, you know, you hear habits about 21 days and those kind of things. But I find that mindfulness is a countercultural habit. You know, it isn't in the mainstream right. yet. I mean, it's, it's growing, and you don't have the support system and whatnot. So, you know, I find it takes quite a while to turn. I, I recommend people a year you know, to, to to figure that it's going to stick of, and how much you can do it. But it's been great. People notice a, an immediate change with a change in mindset of, and we go a little slower than most. Like I start people with two minutes of meditation, not, you know, 40. know, right. <laughs> because I think the mind's so busy when you start that it can be counterproductive. I don't know how many people have said, I can't meditate. It's crazy up there. Well, it's always Everybody's- been crazy. You know, it's always been crazy. You just haven't noticed because <laughs> you've been so enmeshed in, in, in it. Yeah. So we start people pretty slow, you know, with some gratitude and two meditation. And if and I have found and it isn't for everybody, I have found that body movement. It, it was just a key for me because I'm active. I'm an athlete and I, and I I bounce all over the place. You know, I'm high energy. So yoga But now I've backed off saying, you know, we say, well, do mindful weightlifting and do mindful Pilates, do mindful whatever you do, mindful running. You don't have to be yoga, but somehow experience being in your body, Mm. you know, versus being in your head. And that is just if you can give somebody that experience, that's where that peace and joy and happiness start to, to, you know, come into their life. Uh, so it's been phenomenal. The eight week is is a great uh, period of time. Most people can make time for it. Uh, you know, the nine month program run. You know, it's it that there's a lot of resistance comes up for that for the people, <laughs> but the ones that go through it get a ton out of it because they actually are on the path to having you know mastery and a habit.
1: And the eight, now I'm just going to get in the weeds with it because I'm interested. The eight-week program is you go in once a week? You go in twice a week? Usually
2: once once a week. We, we run it both in person and we run, you know, half in person, half Zoom just for, you know, uh, convenience sake. And they practice in between. You know, the idea is to be consistent. Do something at just 10 or 15 minutes a day to do. Cons- consistency, I found, is more important than length of time. Totally. If you can do it daily and if not daily you know regularly to get into it uh can just make a huge huge difference and it's also nice thing about the eight week too is you know it's with other people and that can just when you, you're you just hearing what other people are getting and
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know it and it's always it's in a professional work context but it's always like you know my kids are you know really happy that i'm doing this well,
1: that begins to change <laughs> yeah. the whole dynamic because you're no it? longer in an environment by yourself and that's the thing that's sort of a yeah. problem yeah. that we have around getting people through the door of meditation is they think they have to do it alone or that if they are doing it because you are doing it alone right. but if you are doing it alone that there won't be any community supporting yeah. it but doing it yeah. running it as a business thing what's you know, the format we just,
2: we eric a I would just I'll get that in one second. we just had a, you know, a meeting here this morning. We had a, a partnership quarterly meeting on all this. We always start them with a century, yeah. Just a quick, you know, five minute. Could you everybody ground and just get here, get off your phone and arrive. You'd be mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Format is usually a book. One of the books that we love to use now this spring, I'm going to use my book, but another book we love to use by Sean Archer called The Happiness Advantage. Just a phenomenal, simple book that just, you know, highlights that, you know, it's, it's happiness, success circles around happiness, not the other way around. You know, be I happy first. And, and uh, so it's a, it's it's a reading, simple little book. You're when you're just going, to read a little bit, five or six pages a day kind of thing to get the, yeah. the mind mind going. Uh, Gratitude is always the lowest hanging fruit, I oh. find. Easier to, to start and hang on to than meditation. It's not as scary and it's like immediate uh so some gratitude some journaling uh hopefully some movement i i find movement and it can be just a mindful walk but some sort of movement uh we use yoga to actually show you know because yoga in my view is a science of consciousness we use yoga to show this is why you, you know yoga is not doesn't matter if you stand on your head can you feel your body <laughs> mm-hmm. you just feel where it is and then we go you know and then Every other or every third session, we go a little bit deeper and introduce a few other things like deep listening or active listening. We love to have people pair up and go have talks and not talk, not allowed to talk about business. We do that in the first two months of our longer program. No business talk. You're not allowed to to share what your career is. You want to bring... Who you are to what you do, not what you do to who you are. You know, I'm vice president of this or I'm the janitor. You're either better than or worse than the person you're talking to, you know, rather than just equal in essence. Mm-hmm. So we we try to keep away from the careers and, and it just opens up getting to know somebody versus, you know, just what they do.
0: And in those weekly sessions, uh, how long are the sessions?
2: Uh. Anywhere from a, ha- a half hour to two hours, depending on where the content is. If We go on Zoom. We're usually doing a half hour content and a half hour sharing. Uh, and then when we when you get together, it's usually a couple hours. Nice. so do yoga and then you introduce some topic and then sharing is, is important. You know, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, have people share what they're experiencing and what they're not experiencing. Right.
1: You know. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of people that I would suspect a lot of people think they're not getting it. Yeah. Like they well, expect that there to be something to get. Well,
2: one of the things that we try to do is have someone actually experience presence, being in the zone or whatever that is. And then, because the, my experience is the practices, once you get that feeling is notice when you're not. <laughs> right. And then try to come back again, notice when you're not. But if we ha- if you haven't had that experience, you're not sure you have that experience, sometimes it's, it's the intellectual part of, oh, I got it, mindfulness, yeah, I got it, versus no. It's just like, I'm actually with another person right now. <laughs> you know, I'm actually being intimate with another person right now. Mm-hmm. And, and getting that feeling is huge. Yeah. And you just want more of it.
1: it I, and it, I always find it um, funny, I guess, that how much after I press through my resistance to getting present, how enjoyable it is on the other side, how much resistance I have to, especially, you know, like I'm, you know, if I'm going to go spend some time to connect with my wife. And we have been fairly rigorous. We did a tantric right. workshop, which is consistent with all, all the principles. The pillars of Contra are the, the same as the pillars of mindfulness, completely parallel. And, you know, we, we Spending an hour and a half or two hours together, like minimum a week, like just nothing else to do. Maybe we'll do some Qigong. Maybe we'll do some meditation. Maybe we'll do some, uh you know, massage. But like it takes that. There's that barrier there to getting present. Mm-hmm. To just getting through it, to being able to. And then how easy it is once I'm through it. But I'm always amazed at the resistance. I never have the experience of, oh, I can't wait to get, although every time I'm done with it, I'm left with the experience of, oh gosh, thank God I did that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, that experience
2: is, you know, we're just, we're, we're just drawn to distraction. Yeah. You know, because of our, I think it's our lack of familiarity with being present, Mm. you know, just that our society and our culture has driven us the other direction. It hasn't been something that's been taught, encouraged, or rewarded. Hmm. And uh so I think it's novel to people. And if you're not comfortable in something that's novel, it's like you don't trust it. Hmm. You know? And I find also particularly for, for really smart people that have always thought themselves out of things, it's really hard for them to just give it up and say, No, I'm just I'm just a being. You know, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna feel my way through this. Trust my instincts you know? Yeah. Um, so no, I think, I think that's, that's more common than less common, Aaron, that it's people have, have that for me, I've been doing it long enough that, you know, I crave that more, my, my primary sessions in the morning, I crave it, you know, to, to go in and have that and to start my day with that because, mm-hmm. you know, and then I can draw into it later in the day, but it's, I'm, i catch myself on this stupid thing you know drawn in and it's you know we're driven to distraction food whatever it is we eat to distract ourselves we but once you start noticing that then you just got to start and say there's only only way to to regain claim your focus is to declare it And no one else i mean business is so great at getting our attention right from social media to media to whatever it is, we're just so great at grabbing attention and having them see our listing and having them find this and, you know, finding all these ways. And the only hope, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. AI and everything. The only hope we have is for us to declare it and pay attention and say, no, my attention is mine. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to place it where I want to, and I'm going to notice when I'm not there and bring it back. (laughs) And what we try to do is, can I focus that at work when I'm there? And then can I go home and turn that off and focus on my family, right? So they're taken care of. So the next day at work, I can actually focus on work because I haven't, you know, just ignored my family. I've paid attention to them and I'm okay taking some time out and Mm
0: -hmm. because
2: focus at work is just like so productive compared to our normal state of, you know, five screens open and the phone ringing and, you know, if you can focus, man, I think you can move the world in a couple hours a day.
1: Yeah.
0: I suspect you're, you're sort of touching on it, but I'm curious, you know, you have a a sign behind you that says living in the gap. I think your, your domain is the same. Um, Is I mean, I'm assuming that's sort of what the gap is, the gap. And maybe you can draw that out for us. Like, what is the gap between here and where?
2: There's a lot of gaps. I mean, the primary one that we focus on is, is just a little gap between thoughts. You know, when one thought stops and another one starts and a little gap between we start to notice thoughts. Rather than being just caught up in them, that's who we are. I like baseball analogy. You know, I just want to get so I can just, you know, don't swing at balls for my thoughts. I can just let those go and wait for until like, I get a strike. <laughs> but I notice that I'm not I'm the one who notices the thoughts. You know, some 6,000 thoughts a day. And mine aren't all that productive. Most of them are repetitive. Uh, you know, I, I have, I mean, a couple good ones, maybe a week. You know, (laughs) but most of them are not helpful. Yeah. So just a gap, a little bit of a separation there. There's also gaps of, you know, where I am and where I want to go. And I find if I can get really aware of myself of where I am and I can get a real vision, we use visioning of where I want to go, that that line fills itself in pretty well. We we, You know, but we Hmm. don't tend to be really honest with ourselves on where we are. You know, or and we don't spend time thinking, what do I really want? Not what society has told us, you know, it's all about making stuff and consuming stuff. It's all about, you know, gross domestic product and, you know, how much you can consume and how much you can produce. And there's nothing, I'm an economist, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's fine, but it's, it's not happiness and it's not purpose. So we spend some time saying, okay, what do you really want? And nine times out of 10, it's better relationships. You know, I just want to really connect with my wife and my kids and my right. business partners. I just want to make a real connection, not a superficial one. I really want to be there, you know, for them genuinely. I want my kids to know that I'm there. I want to have a true friendship with them. And, you know, all the kids usually want is for you to be present with them. They don't care if you're Superman or, you know, the fire chief or whatever. They just want to could you spend five minutes with me, you know, please? So. You know, I don't yeah. know, I kind of rambled there a little bit. No, here. that's, no, good. that's
1: good. <laughs> I, love, I love that thing. Uh, you know, there's the gap when I lead, when I lead mindfulness, I lead a <laughs> mindfulness, gratitude meditation every morning and, um, you know, noticing the gap in the breath and it's yeah. those, you know, it's those gaps that give us an opportunity. And that, that, see, the thing you said that really is so, I think, useful for people and it's the heart of mindfulness, but we really, are so judgmental by default that the opportunity to bring non judgmental awareness to where we are. Yeah. You know, it's very much, you know, in line with our, you know, our training about, you know, when you, from this is just what Werner used to say is, you know, when you get what's so, you get so what. And it's, you know, very much in that domain. It's just it's that's what's so. This is where I am. And we have such resistance to and I think it's tied up in the judgment about it. Um well when when
2: we're judging, right, we're not present. Right. We're just reducing everything to a label. And it's that stress and anxiety reside in the in what we and th- what we think, not what actually happens to us, it's what we think about it. So if we can get in that Way of being, or in a gap, or in the zone, or whatever you know, whatever the term is that resonates with you, mm-hmm. then you can start being present, and then you, from there, if you can get there, you can say, "You know, I can handle anything I'm going to handle death one day. What could be bigger than that? You know, we're all going to handle it. What you know, I can handle things from that wild, bigger container." Versus, oh my God, you know, ju- the biggest judgment we have is on ourselves, usually, you know,
1: almost always. I think that's a <laughs> so lot of so. the. Business.
0: Mm. yeah what's um, um i'm always curious especially in this mindfulness conversation um with those we have honest guests like what how you see the connection between profits and presence i mean that's the title of your book right profits yeah. and presence
2: well yeah. profits necessary you know Pro- i mean you're not going to be first first of all like in a concept of the mindful ceo you're not going to be ceo for long if you're not going a profit i mean it's just not going to happen right i mean and it's what makes the world go around it's what makes us you know affluence increases influence it you know we have to make a profit to stay in business but i just find you know it's got to be okay to make money in capitalism it can't be like that's dirty and it's not mm-hmm. okay and whatnot so but what i think is missing from capitalism is consciousness you know is i mean the capitalism can't work if it's just the you know the top one percent that that figures everything out and they end up with all the marbles. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not going to last long-term. It's got to be that those that can give back, give back, you know, of course you take care of yourself and your family first and your needs, but being somewhat realistic, what those needs are. Mm -hmm. And then being willing to reach out and bring some others along, you know, and to help out what we can. And, uh, you know, working with nonprofits and those things, which is, which is also, you know, a a hugely impactful, positive with business. You get to meet people when you're on nonprofits, you get to meet people at a whole nother level than you do at a closing. You know, you get to see what somebody's soul is, you know, what are they really about? So I just think there's so much, so profit with presence means, you know, yes, we have to make profits, but, but you can be present. You can make a difference. You can do it all. You know, you can make you can make money and make a difference. Mm -hmm. and be happy first you know who's going to want to get the call the guy that's Aaron you're in real estate who's going to the happy broker that makes the guy feel good or the grinder that you know all the time is just you know grinding 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 not a question about yourself just always you know I just think we call people make us feel better yeah yeah it it makes sense to be happy
1: (laughs) uh Ta- you've talked about it a couple of times. You mentioned it a couple of times, but just talk to me about your relationship or what you see as the significance of purpose.
2: Well, you know, I, I think it's motivation. I mean, people say, I can't get motivated or I can't get my team motivated. You know, and it really hit me. I taught 20 years at university, mostly seniors, and I'd have them come in, you know, getting grades and whatnot. Why are you here? Well, mom and dad said, if I get in business or engineering, they pay for it. What's next? Well, I don't know. I guess. So let me tell you what's next. Job, wife, mortgage. (laughs) You're going to wake up and you're going to be 50. Spend a little bit of time trying to figure out what you're here, what you're about, what you want to do. And it's okay to tell mom and dad that they got you here. Thanks. But I'm going to take a different route. That's not what I want to do. You know, you got to. Purpose is, uh, you know, a, cou- a couple levers, uh, and I got this from Eckhart Tolle. You know, inner purpose, really waking up and realizing I'm a human, I'm consciousness, I'm 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 not just this body, mm. you know, <laughs> I, I'm an energy source, I'm, a, I'm I'm more than this, I'm bigger than this body, and then outer purpose, what I do, and can I, you know, can I find what I'm really good at and what I'm passionate at. And do that and what turns my heart because I find I find leaders born from purpose. You know, you'll find people when they find something that really drives them, stepping up into the vortex, stepping up in the vacuum, and you would never dream of it. I'm not a believer that there's just this class of leaders and put them in any circumstance and they're just gonna, you know, march you down the field. I think leaders are born of purpose when you're when you and that's how you just pop out of bed in the morning versus, you know, get dragged out. Find something that that inspires you and find a way to get paid for it, you know. Uh, but purpose is, is motivation to me. That's why you do it. And then, you know, profit comes from a purpose-driven life, you know. They meet a demand and profit comes from that.
1: Mm. But
2: by itself... God, I just find that you get the profit and you just look for more and more and more and different and bigger houses and whatnot, and you never really get there with satisfaction and happiness. And is that you,
1: what you mean by misguided purpose, like societal driven purpose?
2: Societal driven, yeah. So many things we found that I, I don't even find think it's a valid purpose, but we've adopted it. Hmm. You know, just to have the title, just to have the money, just to have the house we're not our house, we're not our title, we're not our money, you know, and none of those things are bad. They're all good. But if we try to find our purpose and our happiness in them, my experience is overwhelming that with a lot of successful friends and myself is once we reach our targets, we want more. Once we hit the six figures, you know, we want two, three times that. Once we hit the, you know, the house, it's got to be the house on the golf course, the bigger house. We get a country club. Well, I need another one in the mountains. I need a condo. I need and I say, you know, uh, first I wanted to travel and I flew. Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to fly first. And then I said, oh, if I could just fly private. And now it's if I could just go to the moon, you know, we just keep <laughs> moving the goalposts. Yeah. And that happiness stick is just still still out there. So I just say you got to get that right first. Mm-hmm. Don't don't spend any don't waste your time. I did. I wasted I wasted, you know, and it, and it paid off in some ways. You know, I learned a ton about business in that time, but I really wasted the prime of my life just
0: running around for money. Hmm. Reminds me of, um, I was just talking this morning with my wife about Napoleon Hills um, outwitting the devil. And in that book, talking about 98% of people being in a hypnotic rhythm, you know, like just, there's just so much of a, a, a rhythm to that public purpose, you know, that the yeah. the purpose they tell you to have. So you go, oh, now I'm stuck in the hamster wheel of the house, then the condo, then going to the moon. And like there's a, there's just a treadmill we get stuck on.
2: I haven't read that one, but yeah, and it's like we haven't we haven't designed a time where we get to look at that stuff. You know, right. some people that have a gap year or do something like that, which is a great time for that. You know, some of us just have, you know, multiple midlife crises. I, you know, haven't, I've had about 10 of them, you know, where you just say, hey, I got to look at this. I got to look at this. You know, I got to keep looking at this and figure it out for me. And, you know, sometime you get it, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out what makes me tick, mm. you know? And, and for me, I'm lucky. I got to do that and, and make money. And I, and I think most business people can, you know, most business people, good business people, you know, are going to make money, but can they do it in a way? And I'm not saying that we all know people that, that made money and they're miserable. They're just good at it. Or people that are really happy without anything. So, I mean, either is possible, but I, I think you can do both. You could be happy, making a difference for people and, you know, affluence and your affluence will increase your influence. You can make a bigger
1: difference. You know, you said that thing about, um, well, first of all, Outwitting the Devil, you will love, Eric. Just, yeah, I haven't read that one. Okay, it's it was released. Heard, day after think, after think, and death.
2: Grow, think and Grow Rich, but I haven't not, read that yeah,
1: one. Yeah, well, yeah, right. We all read Think and Grow Rich multiple times, you know, but Outwitting the Devil was released. What, not that long ago. Not, like, not that long ago. He said, don't release this for 100 years or whatever he said oh, when I'll, he died. I'll order it. I'll order yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I listened to it. And, and it it's like, it's an interview he has with the devil. And the devil <laughs> distinguishes all the ways he has trapped mankind.
2: <laughs> you know? so I love
1: it already. It, he yeah. thought it'd be way too controversial mm. to release at, yeah. at the time of the writing, which was probably right. They would probably have vilified him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you said that thing about, we always want more and, uh, there, you know, there's an, I'm interested in your take on this because I'm also a big proponent of the law of attraction and, uh, Joe Dispenza and Abraham mm-hmm. Hicks, um, uh, which is a favorite of mine. And my relationship to wanting more was very much given by our, you know, the, that whole world that, um you know, that we're in for transformation. I still lead programs, yeah, by the yeah. way, Eric, so it's not something that's yeah. behind me in any way. Um, but that whole, you know, happiness is where you come from, right? Is mm-hmm. Which is clearly what you're saying. And I 100%, um, that's 100% what I would argue for, is that happiness is not a place you get to. It's a place you come from. Um, but that world had left me, um Somehow invalidating that I always wanted more. Like I shouldn't want more because I should be happy now. I think it's a sort of a, a slippery mm-hmm. slope down that hill. Yes, yes. Versus, you know, and uh, Esther Hicks completely transformed this for me when when I heard it, which was you're always going to want more. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not the problem. The problem's mm-hmm. not that you want more. Of course you want more because you can manifest anything. So why wouldn't you want the next thing when you get the thing you want? Why wouldn't you want the next thing? Um, and it really is, can you experience in the present moment, hmm. the deep satisfaction? There's a Jewish principle of dayenu. It's not really a principle, but it's something we say, um, which is fundamentally, uh, which means really it would have been enough. Um, and, but it really represents for me that world of uh, what Joe Dispenza points to as uh, gratitude as the ultimate point of attraction. That I am deeply satisfied with the way things are, mm-hmm. and I am eager for more. Mm-hmm. Great. And I think it's yeah. a you know that that yeah. I always when people talk about wanting more, I always hear it like I want to make sure it doesn't get heard like an invalidation mm-hmm. of wanting more. Like it's not that you're yeah be happy now and want more. Can you do both? And realizing that if you're not happy now, yes,
2: chances are with more is not going to do it. I mean, science. I mean, most of the science was you know over eighty, and with inflation, it's probably hundred thousand. Over that kind of income, you don't get happier, You just get more stuff. Yes. So yes. some kind of our realization that, and I had a big thing this with I'm a golfer. You know, if I go to the golf course and try to find my happiness out there, I mean, I come home and kick the dog three quarters <laughs> of the time. But if I can bring happiness to the golf course or bring happiness to my vacation versus going to there and looking for it, hmm. then you then just, life just totally. really gets fun. You yeah. know? Yeah. And you get there and you're not like, I have to do this list of things. Oh, I'm already happy. What, what's, what are we going to do? You know, what's this? Oh, ball went out of bounds. Oh, well, let's drop another one. You know, it just, it can just be different. Yeah,
1: yeah, very good. I think that's that's key. We, to, you know, can you? And you know, this all wraps up inside. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the opportunity to invent the possibility and inventing a future for yourself Absolutely. that matters. It's different ways to get. You know, there's so many different ways to get there. You just have to be committed. That there's a there, there. There's a you know that this right now what works and doesn't work, what gives me power and what doesn't give me power about this. And the thing you pointed to, I love the last blog post is what I'm going off of is the egotistical and societal influences of purpose. Hmm. Um, you know, do those give me power? You know, when you are interviewing those seniors, are you going to be filled with power, joy, and freedom when you leave here and you get that job? Well,
2: and they still haven't found anybody in their deathbed that said, I wish I worked more right you know yeah but do do i wish i loved more do i wish i you know had more joy yeah that's almost universal
1: yeah yeah i used to use that as a guide like okay Mm -hmm. am i ever gonna say i wish i uh, oh i i I attended too many of my kids softball games no i will never say that that would never be a a thing for me i will i highly regret all those times i spent you know just me and my wife hanging out. Never going to say that. You know?
2: So, right. and figure out how to, you know, make money too. And there you go.
1: And that's, and that really is, that's the purpose of Profit with Presence is that I love it. And we're going to, just so you know, Eric, and, you know, anyone who's listening can know that we're, the, you know, your 12 pallers of Powellers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, pillars of leader, mindful leadership are, you know, built in rifts for us to explore. So we may awesome. be emailing you questions and stuff. Great. Um, I'm up for it. Feels like a place to wrap this if people want to get to you. So it's livinginthegap.com.
2: Livinginthegap.org. It's a non-profit. out.org. Yeah, and you can there's free resources on there if you want to have a dive in or a list of books and practices, those kind of things, or if you want to learn about our programs, you can get the book there and it's also on Amazon.
1: And your, your newsletter is great. Oh good. Great. You know that was Yeah, you can sign up for the have have hiccups, website. all of us all of a sudden I have the hiccups, which is what's <laughs> happening in <now>. life. <laughs> what my body is saying now. Um Great. Eric, anything else? Anything else you just want to leave us with before we go?
2: Uh I would just say, you know, if you if you have an interest in it, start small and be consistent. You know, you don't have to it's it's the small little practices that are easy to do, easy not to do. And just find a way to do those little practices and, and knock off a few things that you know are, you know, sabotaging you and just get started, get on the path. You know, it doesn't have to be the, 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 the big shift all in, you know, one, one day or one weekend. It can be this little tiny shift in intention and, you know, and just take a mindful walk. Leave your phone behind someday. Just take a walk around the building at lunch. Just yep. look up at the trees and just take a few breaths and take a mindful walk to get started. Just reset your day.
1: Great. Awesome. Eric, I really appreciate your time. I love you. I love that we're still connected yeah. after all these yeah, years. Yeah, me too. And I love that we're connected in this. You know, awesome. all, the, all the ways to stay connected, to stay connected and empowering people to live a mindful life is just, yeah. a, I love it. I love that we cir- circled back to this. So
2: appreciate being on Aaron, Chris. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So glad you're here, Eric. Thanks. Thanks everybody. If you want to learn more about the mindful CEO, go to themindfulceo.com and uh, check out the links there. Um, And until next time, see ya.
2: Thanks.